big news. The new Sprint LTE Plus network is faster than Verizon and AT&T based on analysis of a recent study by Nielsen. And to celebrate, we're inviting you to join Sprint for the biggest offer in U.S. wireless history. Switch to Sprint and save 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile rates. Yep, you heard that right. No gimmicks, no tricks. You have Verizon 6 gigs for $60, 30 with Sprint. And if you have 15 gigs for $100 from AT&T, 50 with Sprint. Even if you have T-Mobile's 10 gigs for $80, we'll give it to you for 40 and we won't force you to watch video in low depth. Oh, and one more thing. Buy or lease the hottest Samsung Galaxy smartphones and get a free 32-inch LED Samsung TV. Don't wait. Offer ends December 24th. Visit a Sprint store at Sprint.com slash free Samsung TV. Speed claim based on Sprint's analysis of average LTE download speeds using Nielsen and MP data. Actual download speeds may vary by location and device capability. Offer coverage not available everywhere or for discounted phones. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, and premium content. Subject to new line $36 activation fee. Credit valid for Plans may not be exact match. See website for eligible plans. Offer ends 1716 savings to 1880. Exclusions and restrictions apply. TV after online rebate subject to terms. in the house tonight is there a praise in the house tonight you have joined the kingdom work for christ online radio show and i'm so excited you tuned in this evening you're in for a treat i pray that you are going to be blessed and i want us to all start the right way by bowing our heads humbling our hearts and turning it towards the lord our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the authority of your word, O God. Thank you that by that authority, when we stay in your Holy Spirit, when we remain in you, as you tell us to do in John 15, Lord God, that you guide us to be your representative in any setting. Lord God, we pray that we will be agents of truth in your Holy Spirit, Lord God, no matter what happens. We're thankful for this hour, Lord, and we are absolutely aware that we would not be here if it wasn't for you. And so, God, we we stand under submission to your authority. 
We love you. We praise you. And God, we just ask you to take over this hour. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Welcome again to the Kingdom Work for Christ online radio show. You're in for a treat, as I told you, because we have two lovely and incredible guests, Lynn Jackson and Kendra Evans. Lynn and Kendra, how are you? Doing so well. Doing well. God bless. Very well. Very well, thank you. Excited. I am so glad. Excited, too. I'm so glad you guys are here and, and ready to talk, and so it's going to be a fun hour. I won't. I won't submit you to doing a British accent, not today, so so consider yourself blessed. <laughs> to those of you who missed the show before, um, you, you, you missed out, so you either have to go back to it or you've been spared either way. One thing we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Kingdom Work for Christ. If you're tuning in for the first time, you're wondering, what is Kingdom Work for Christ? Let's summarize. Kingdom Work for Christ is off of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And so Jesus, after dying, but before going to the, uh, dying, resurrecting, and going back to the Father, right before he went back to the Father, he gave all his followers a beautiful set of instructions. And he said, know that all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Therefore, Go and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey my commandments, knowing that I'm with you always to the end of the ages. And so we, when we're looking at kingdom work for Christ specifically, it means the manifestation and the implementation of God's will in a person's life, in and through a person's life. And so the whole point of kingdom work for Christ is that it's one thing to experience God on a daily basis or even on a frequent basis or on a seldom basis, depending on your relationship with him. It's one thing to experience him, but it's another thing to be in the Holy Spirit in such a way that any environment in which you are placed, you become an infectious vessel for Christ. And so the Kingdom Work for Christ online radio show is all about visiting the different environments in which we are exposed to being either representatives for Christ or missing the opportunity to be that when we really um, seek to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have talked on the show about grief. We've talked about chronic illness. We've talked about youth as, as early as 13 doing kingdom work for Christ. We talk about young adults. We've talked about what that means when we're resting. How do we do kingdom work for Christ when we're resting? If you're wondering about these, I encourage you to go back and take a listen to some of the episodes we've had, as well as some of the testimonies we've had. The structure of the show so far has been one week. We will focus on what God says, what the Word of God says about the very specific scenario. And then the following week, we will then have a testimony in which we address how this is happening today. So last week we talked about kingdom work for Christ when we are speaking in spirit and in truth and what the difference is between speaking in spirit and in truth and just speaking in truth. And so today we really have the privilege to have Lynn Jackson and Kendra Evans talk to us about how this is happening today, give us some examples, some wisdom, some insight about how to do it, and even some some vulnerably speaking, ways in which they didn't do that um, when they had the opportunity to do it. So we are very blessed, and I'm very excited that you're here today. I would love to start by introducing um, 
uh, our guest, Lynn Jackson. And Lynn, I would love for you to start with how you came to know Christ. Okay. Well, let me first say thank you, Emma, again, for this privilege uh, to share our testimony and to share some of our experiences. And I came to know Christ. Um, I actually, let me back up. I was born and raised in Bronx, New York. And I was raised in a family. There was a lot of love. We um, were blessed to have everything that we needed. But mom and dad had marital problems. And after many years, uh, when I was about 12 years old, they separated. I was not happy about that separation at all. I was very close to dad. Yeah, I was very close to dad. And I, at that time, I would have preferred um, if it was my will to go and live with Dad. But I went to live with my mom and my siblings. And I think that that's what opened up more or less a door of rebellion in my life. Mm. So for the next, I guess, about five years, I became what we would say a real thorn in my mother's flesh. And she was a thorn in mine. <laughs> um, my so that's Christianese for a big pain, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a teenager um, living in New York City, you don't have to go very far um, to get involved with the wrong people. So we had a little bit of that going on. And then by the time I reached, I would say, about 11th grade, I began to cut school a lot, so I was spending more time at home than in school. While this was going on, my mom, of course, was working days and some nights, you know, to keep her clothes, living in a uh, uh, decent home. And my sister actually accepted Christ first. And Hmm. by us living in the home together, she knew all the things that I was involved in. Mm. So she got, <laughs> no <escape. this. laughs> she got a, what you might say, a determination that she was going to get me to come to church with her. And mm. she would ask me day after day, it seemed like it was every day, but she would ask me to come to church on very frequently, many occasions. And finally, I decided that I would go to church um, just to stop her from annoying me. So I went to a service. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really pay that much attention. But over the next few months, it was as though God began to soften my heart. I began to read a New Testament, one of the little paperback New Testament Bibles, And at that time, I was somewhat familiar with the Bible uh, because we went to Lutheran school up to fourth grade, and I also attended an Episcopal church at that time. Um, But this time, when I read the scriptures, it was like those words just became alive. And I started going to church with my sister, and one night at a service, I gave my life to Christ. And I know it was her prayers, the prayers of, you know, some of her friends that were in church that just helped and guided me 
uh, to come to Christ. Wow. That's such a powerful testimony because I'm sure that some people listening are dealing with siblings or family members or loved ones that, you know, they've been praying for and, and it's sort of that endless pursuit mm-hmm. of, hey, you know, come come find out who Jesus is and um, to no avail. But it's encouraging to hear that God still works even in those times of silence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and he's working God. behind and in the heart when we can't see it on the outside. That's right. That's right. So I would love then to um, thank you so much for sharing that, Sister Lynn. And Sister Kendra, would you mind sharing how you came to know the Lord or accept him as Lord and Savior? Um, yeah, um, it hasn't been that long for me. So um, I would say I'm also from New York. I'm born and raised in the Bronx. I come from um, a loving family, but um, I don't. I've always, I, for as long as I can remember, I always longed for um, happiness. I don't know what the, when I was a young, a young girl, I thought that the happiness would be when I got to be older and I got to be free. Mm. And as I've gotten older, um, the longing grew um in the in the way that it was for um things that I worked for. Um somewhere in my young age, um, I just accepted the fact I somewhere along uh, somewhere along the line I got the message that I didn't have value. So um mm-hmm. I was working really hard to make certain that my work was my value, I think. And what mm-hmm. I could give out, you know, what I could produce, um, spoke about me. I became a teen mom when I was 17. Um, and um, somewhere in there, um, I think I got the message that I had to, I had to redeem myself. And I worked um, um, really hard at doing what people said was the right thing. And I didn't really consider who I was. And I got to a point in life, um, I would say I was probably in my late 20s, and um, I started praying. I wasn't saved yet, but I knew that I had a hunger for, um, I had a hunger and a desire to know, and um, I felt like God was chasing me. I was church hopping. I was going to different churches, and I started Mm -hmm. to um, realize that each church I went to, they were not related. They were different churches. The message was following mm. me. Whenever I got to whatever church it was, the message right. went directly into my life. And it was an eerie feeling because that's the only place where I began to feel safe. The other thing that happened was I felt um, that I would work really hard and God would actually bless me with the things that I work hard for. But most people would be happy, and I was not. Um, I mm. think the, the desire and the longing grew, and the more things that I asked for, the more things that God gave me. And I remember feeling like I was in trouble because nothing was making me happy. I mean, I would say I want a, I want a job. I got the job. I want a, mm-hmm. you know, I want a companion. I got the companion. I want a, a outfit, a car, whatever it was I decided I wanted. 
I would have that thing, mm-hmm. and I felt like King Midas must have felt with the golden Midas touch. And it wasn't until <laughs> I um, I went to I went to a service. Um, I had been arguing with my daughter the night before about um, I'd asked her to write the scripture my parents had taught us, and I wanted her to mm-hmm. know. I think it may have been the twenty third Psalm. Write it out. She wrote it out, mm-hmm. and there were little gaps in it. When she said it, was, that's not quite right. And she gave me this long, you know, excuse about it not being right wherever she copied it from and that it wasn't her fault. And said, you know, <laughs> you're never wrong. If you can never be wrong, then, you know, it's not everyone else. It's it's also you. Next morning, was, mm-hmm. was that was a Saturday night. The next morning was a Sunday morning. I remember this. Because we were going to, um, we were going to our our now church, and I had mm-hmm. been picking her up at a center across the street from the church, and the church was always full. And I was like, "What is that place over there?" And <laughs> someone said, "That's a church." And I was like, "Well, where are they giving away something?" And they're like, "No, no, they're having service." I think it was a good church. <laughs> and um, my daughter's my daughter's best friend's grandmother said, "No, that the pastor that church is good. That's a good church." And I said, I'm going to go over there and see what they're doing That's one right. Sunday. And this was a Sunday, and they had a noon service, and we had been arguing so badly um, that we didn't get there until 1 o'clock. And we walked And what in time does it to... start? Noon. <laughs> noon. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we got in at 1 o'clock, and we I had to say, you have got to admit that you are wrong sometimes so that you can change. And as we walked into the service, the pastor had just taken the stage. And as we sat in our seats, he said he had just, I think he had preached out of Matthew. And he said, the problem with some of you is that you're never wrong. Everyone else wow. is the problem. And if you are never wrong, then is the problem really not you? And my daughter and I both looked at each other, and um, I was home. I joined I joined mm-hmm. that that day and um and I found a peace um to the longing that wasn't right. as as big as I would like it to be, but it was it was something that I hadn't had but was strangely familiar. And that's how I got mm-hmm. saved. Wow. That is that's so powerful. Did he um after the service show you the um you know, the listening device that he had plugged into your house? <laughs> I, I would have hoped that he did. <laughs> he would have had to have it in our car as well. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because God is so calculated and intentional. Sometimes it's like, were you reading my mail? Like, how do you know this stuff, you know? People coming and talking into your life, and it's the Holy Spirit and how he's leading. It's just so it's so neat how he's faithful and pursues us. You know, the thing that when you were talking, um, Kendra, is that what you referred to is something that really hits home to a lot of people, and that's that idea of self-sufficiency. And so one of the things that I would like for us to read um, – if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 49, uh, because it really does address this, and then we'll tie that back into how important speaking in truth and spirit and in truth is, especially in this hour. So Psalm 49 starts with, hear this, all you people. Listen, all who live in this world, both high and low, rich and poor alike. 
My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations. Though they had named lands after themselves, people, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. And I, when you were speaking, it reminded me of that, Kendra, because the wealth that is addressed in this chapter doesn't just have to do with wealth that is material wealth. It also has to do with wealth as it comes to to pride. So we're so we feel so wealthy that we're self-sufficient, we don't need Christ. When we feel so wealthy in our own knowledge, so wealthy in our own wisdom, so wealthy in our own security, so wealthy in our own families, and this is something that you touch a little bit on, Sister Lynn, is that you were so comfortable at the age of 12 that when that was completely shifted, all of a sudden it put you in a state of rebellion, you know, which when, when we have Christ, this is why he's is so important. The gospel is so important. We are stabilized no matter what happens. And so that chapter helps us to really see the importance of why in this time, in such a time as this, when people are so wealthy, either in themselves or so wealthy, either in their own opinions or their their material wealth, whatever it is, that we get a chance when we are staying in the spirit of God, we get a chance to bring about light, bring about truth into situations where people may think they have it all together. And so one of the things I want to ask you is then, um, and let's start this time with you, Kendra, how did you meet Lynn? Lynn and I worked together. Um, We used to be in the same division of um, the uh, banks that we work for. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we we work quite well together. We formed um, a, a, a bond. And I'd, um, Lynn, was, Lynn, Lynn mentored me in a lot of ways. Um, there was um, once an incident where I um, had brought my daughter to work and she'd done something that she shouldn't have done. I won't say what for her sake, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Yeah. Um <laughs> Lynn, fair enough. <laughs> Lynn, she she done something for one of my coworkers and I I didn't really know what it was but I, I sensed it but didn't really have a clear understanding of it. And Lynn came to me. Um, Lynn came to me and she said, I want to talk to you for a moment. And she said, there's something that's troubling me. And she said to me, mm. if it were me, I would want to know this. 
And um, mm. he told me what happened. And I, I said, okay. I said, you know, I said, you know, if if ever, you know, someone, my daughter does something to someone, I would not want that person to feel as though they couldn't come to me. And mm-hmm. what had happened was that the uh, young lady who had had the incident with my daughter had told, you know, the um, when in a, you know another um, probably a, another person or other people at our workplace that she had had this incident, but I didn't really know what had happened. And Liz said, if it was mm-hmm. me, I would want to know. And she was honest in a way and transparent in a way that. Um, allowed me to correct what had happened. You know, if you, if it was one of those things where if you don't know, you can't do anything about it, or you can't, That's you right. can't walk on shore footing. So um, our relationship, it, it, it built a trust with me because I, I have an honor code, and you know, I love who loves me. I'll support who supports me. Um, as I recognize it, and that's how I recovery back then. Today it's a little bit different in Christ, mm-hmm. whatever the, the move you do, that's where I want to be. But back then it was, it was black and white for me. You know, you love who you love, who loves you, you be good to who's been good to you. And um, mm-hmm. I, I had to, I had to, um, I have to say that her example was one that I carry to this day because I think about you know, what it must be like for somebody not to fully know or understand something that just may be difficult to deliver. And I try to do my best to be transparent and say, this is this is something that happened. I think that you should know, but not in a way that condemns them so they can't receive it. Amen. Amen. And I love that, that principle of, of feeling loved, even though you were addressing a topic that was very, that, that, that was, you know, sensitive. And so one of the things that a lot of times when we talk about First Corinthians 13 and love and all of its characteristics, it's easy to look at, you know, the, the loving, the kindness and, and those aspects of it and not really focus on this, the, the truth and the self-control, you know, all these, these other aspects of the 16 characteristics of love. And we can love people while we're speaking in spirit and in truth. And so what I want to know, let's dig in a little bit further. Sister Lynn, how did you, first of all, how were you led to mentor and to really approach Kendra? And then talk to us about what prompted you to want to speak in spirit and in truth in this situation at work. Okay. First of all, Kendra was a very sweet person, and she was an open person. You could talk to her anyway, Um, approach her and have a conversation with her without feeling um, that she wasn't going to be real with her response. Um, mm-hmm. So by the time that I had met Kendra, of course, I had already raised two teenagers of my own. I think her daughter probably wasn't a teenager mm-hmm. yet. But just remembering some of the pain, frustration, challenges that I had as a mother raising children, and, you know, some of them I probably brought on myself, but needless to say, (laughs) they were painful times. Um, And like my own mother, there were times that I had no clue what my Mm -hmm. kids were getting into. Um, There were times I would find out from a third party, um, sometimes too late, um, 
So when this coworker began to share with me, you know, some um, some incidents that happened, I wasn't even in the office when it occurred. I immediately, you know, said to her, someone has to talk to Kendra. And at mm-hmm. that time, I think Kendra was, she wasn't new to the office, but not fairly new. So I'm sure that some of the other employees were kind of skeptical about what her response might be. Um, we find a lot of parents today, if you try to tell them something about their own children, they get very mm. defensive. That's what right. they thought um, would happen. Um, but as Kendra said, that thing really bothered me. And I just felt like if I could stop the enemy from causing pain to this mother, that I was going right. to um, talk to her and I wanted to talk, not just talk to her and tell her what happened, but I wanted to be there for her um, as a support and as somebody that would pray, you know, with her. And and that's, mm. to me, so key when you're, you know, when you talk about speaking in spirit and in truth, we're here to help people. Um, yes. And truth, we know, truth can be painful, you know, but mm-hmm. ultimately, when it's coming from God, God wants to bring forgiveness. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring transformation. And when you pray about, um, you know, sharing something with someone, you have to always remember if it's from God, you know, it's going to do a work some way, somehow, even if it's me, it's helping me to be more courageous and bold then so mm-hmm. be it. And that's, I just felt like that conversation had to take place. Amen. Amen. In Hebrews, it talks about the word being a double-edged sword. And, and the beauty about that imagery, too, is that it does hit both sides also. I mean, a lot of times we look at it as it's a double-edged sword as it's cutting through in our lives. But the word of God always transcends just us and I, Kendra beforehand we were talking and you mentioned how you know a lot of times testimonies are a blessing also to the person giving the testimony and it is it's that back and forth where God is ministering to both people at the same time it's beautiful the thing I love that you just brought up sister Lynn is that you talked about the compassion and being there for her so that she could go through the next steps and that's one of the things we talked about last time um Understanding the heart of God before we speak in spirit and in truth. Because in the garden in Genesis 3, when the fall of man took place and the deceiver essentially was able to convince Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of knowledge, then there was a time where God had to shed light and truth into the situation. And we see that he is angry and he's disappointed, but he still covers them with fig leaves, with, with, excuse me, with animal skin, which is more durable than fig leaves. He still sends them off, essentially, to go. He still seals the entrance to the garden so that they don't come back and eat of the fruit of life so that they will live forever in that sin nature. And so there's a lot of compassion there. And that last point is something that I heard from um, Pastor William McDowell when I went to the Immerse Conference in Nashville. And it was the first time it really hit me 
that that sealing of the Garden of Eden was actually a protection for mankind so we would have the opportunity to be redeemed and so thank you for bringing that up in a in a real life setting where you know believers ought to speak in spirit and in truth in a way that comes from a spirit of compassion and a spirit of wanting to experience transformation in the body of Christ and towards potential members of the body of Christ also some to be also referred to as non-believers. Every single one of us are potential members of the body of Christ if we don't believe in Christ yet, and we are members of the body of Christ when we accept him as Lord and Savior. So let me ask you this. What are examples, and we'll start with you, Sister Lynn, of, of times where you were not able to seize the opportunity to speak in spirit and in truth, and why didn't you? A good question, Emma. There are times when you may know something about a person mm-hmm. and because God will show it to you, but yet and still you feel within yourself that it's not time to speak whatever it is to this person. And I believe that mm-hmm. many times God shows us and he tells us things, but he wants us to pray about it first. And that, that's very key, that, that we put those things in prayer. And, um, and I do have an example. It actually just came back to my mind. Um, mm-hmm. A dear sister of mine, Elder Carolyn, Pastor Brew, that, you, that you're very familiar with, um, yes. many years ago we worked for the federal mm-hmm. government, and we had a dear sister, and this might seem very small, but God did work in this. We had a dear sister in the Lord. Um, she hadn't been saved that long, and she um, dressed kind of almost like a homeless person would dress. We did not want to approach this young lady even to say anything that would hurt her, that would kill her spirit, but we mm-hmm. wanted to help And we came together and we prayed. And lo and behold, not that long after that, for some reason, she just began to take care of herself. She began to dress better. She began to look better. Mm -hmm. She began her hair, her hair um, uh, uh, fixed. I don't know if she went to a beautician or whatever it was, but that whole thing turned around. So we saw that. Wow. We felt like it was something that God was concerned about because now you're a child of God. You want to uh, portray your very best uh, and be an ambassador for Christ. We didn't want to kill her spirit. We didn't want to kill um, what God had placed in her. And we came together. Mm -hmm. We touched free and we prayed for that sister. And God turned that thing around. So many times we'll see things. We'll know things. We can say something, but we have to always rely on the spirit um, and and have that wisdom. Is it time for me to speak? Is it time for me to address with this person? And I'm glad you brought that up because that that points out the difference between speaking in spirit and in truth and just speaking in truth, especially Mm -hmm. in, in this, you know, in this, <laughs> in this time where there is there's an emphasis 
in the body of Christ on, um, you know, speaking your mind, not being politically correct or all these things. And I hear these, these phrases being thrown around and what you just talked about addresses a really, really important factor for the follower of Christ, which is it has to be in the Holy Spirit's timing. It has to be when God wants you to speak, and sometimes he doesn't. He just wants us to just pray and kneel mm-hmm. before the throne for this person. Have you guys seen um, War Room, the movie? Yes, I've seen it. Kendra, did you get a chance to see it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. I've been down with the flu, but I'm excited. Oh, no problem. I was going to ask you um, very briefly if you uh, wanted to comment on it, because I will say one thing. That is a powerful movie on prayer that I completely and utterly support a thousand percent. And it gives a, a perfect example of how we are not fighting our battles, we are not having to take on, do our little to-do agendas, right, and carry out the mission of being Christ's representative. That's not our job. Our job is to carry out the mission of seeking after him, yearning for him, wanting to be so much in his presence, no matter what. If he doesn't, if we can be in his presence for the rest of our lives and we don't do a single thing, our motive is being in his presence, not not being... Yeah. Not doing yeah. stuff, not, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah not being was, busy with the things of God without God in the midst of it, and so that's why I was um, I wanted to get your take on it. And Kendra, I think you were about to say something. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the 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 movie, but I started reading the book Reverence by um, Priscilla Syra, who's in the movie, and she wrote the book. Yeah. Um, as a, I think it was inspired by the war room is what um, when the cover says. But she oh. talks about focusing on um, focusing your prayer life and focusing um, your goals for your family in prayer um, around what's real and recognizing the attacks of the enemy and that there are real forces in the world um, that are meant to keep what God has for you from you. And one of the things that I learned from reading the first few chapters was um, what, part of what we're talking about, um, praying in truth, being honest about who you are, but being honest about um, pursuit of God and being honest about your focus on the fact that the enemy is real, not giving him too much power and not underestimating him, but focusing on the um, the powers and the principalities and praying that you will have those things that are, are said in the Bible, that God says, these are the things I have for you. And I will say that I pray bolder. Um, I pray mm-hmm. with a different level of belief, and I pray mm-hmm. with my feet. I pray. I pray with my feet on a different kind of foundation because she talks about praying be half-hearted, um, not passionate. You know, somewhat manipulative. You know, duty-bound. Um, you know, drudgery prayers. And I think everybody's a little bit guilty of that at times because you can become Absolutely. weary on the walk. So um, I, I would say that I haven't seen the movie, 
But if the movie is anything like what what's been inspired in the book, I am I'm I'm stoked to go and see it because um, being a single mom and standing on on um, and standing on on prayer and trying to grow my faith and really taste that for God and listen to what He has for me. I'm 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 thrilled to do just that, but I'm starting to begin. I'm starting to understand that this is not easy, and this is not it's not hard by accident. Um, you kind of think I think I've been living thinking things kind of you know there things happen in happenstance, but none of this is by accident. This is purposeful. I have a purpose. Um, God has a plan for me, and the enemy is. Serious about awarding that plan, delaying that plan, or keeping me from that plan, and that's that's really what the challenge is. That's right. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because you have such, you both have such great insight, is for the person who's listening and is saying, "Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. I am really, really, really shy, and I don't know what it even means." to speak in truth. It's never been done to me, and I just I see it as confrontation. How can you advise that person and where to start when it comes to speaking in spirit and in truth? Um, I would say when you speak in spirit and truth, I would say think of, um, I'm, there's a scripture that says think of the good things, but think of what you would want done for yourself. Think of where the truth has led you. Sometimes it's the truth that saves you from, um, you know, the worst of things. And I think if you mm. start there and you convey, um, you convey the truth in, um, you know, on the footing of love or on the footing of compassion, that somebody mm. is more apt to receive it well. If you start off, in your, you know, in in your own self righteousness, that never works. Mm-hmm. But if you recognize right. that you may not have done, or you may not have have the flaw that you're speaking about, if you're talking about um, a flaw, you're doing, or this, or the truth is incorrection, you may not, you may not have the issue you're discussing, but you do have an issue. And when you look at yourself, comparing yourself to Christ, you understand humbly and truthfully that you need help and that you are not perfect. So in that understanding and that seat, when you talk to someone else about something that they haven't done right, considering that you are in that place often yourself, you speak differently and you're you're able to be transparent or honest in a way that the person can receive you differently. Now, that may not work all the time because different people are at different places, but I think that if you start there, that you let the Holy Spirit lead and you count on God to make good things happen. But that's your part. Mm, amen. And I love it because yes. you were talking about uh, when we talked offline, your ministry is towards your raising your daughter and soon-to-be grandmother, and, and it's just such a joyful time for you. And a lot of what you're sharing, I'm sure, is just really impacting your 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 ministry currently where God has you placed. And so it's very encouraging. And Sister Lynn, you are fully engaged um, as well in ministry with your husband. And so will you talk to us about some of the experiences you've had with it, that as it relates to speaking in spirit and in truth? 
Well, I wanted to add to what Kendra was saying about oh, being yes. honest. I, I think that that's key. And um, and being honest in terms of, as she said, not having a self-righteous kind of air or spirit or attitude. I think that when we speak to people and we let them know that um, I may be giving you a truth, where you need to make a change or where you need to be made aware of something. But I also want you to know, to me as well, and he shows me where I need to do better. I'm still seeking. I'm still desiring more of him. I'm still wanting to be obedient to him. Um, And I think that when people hear um, honesty, hear truth, I think they're more ready to receive what you're saying. And for an example, um, I think it was last week you talked about how you had the opportunity to witness to uh, an individual um, that that was gay. Him and his friends seemed like they were gay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he mentioned that he had never heard anyone who was passing out tracts talking about Jesus never talk mm-hmm. to him the way that he did. Um, but But mm-hmm. you told him, yes, we're all going to go to hell if we don't do A, B, and C. So, in other words, you let him know, I'm not standing here up on this ivory tower um, pointing out everybody's sins and pointing out where they're wrong and where I'm right. That's not what it's about. What it's about is giving you a message from God that will help Mm -hmm. you listen or help you if you would take it in and see it God's way. Don't see it your way. That That's a, another thing um, that uh, came to me as, as you all were talking is that, you know, we're talking about we are speaking in truth, in spirit and in truth. But what about when someone comes to us and gives us right. word or instruction that it's hard for us to take? We that our believers have to take that and we have to pray and say, God, I want to see what you are saying the way you want me to see it because it's so easy Mm -hmm. to hear the truth and to misinterpret it. I've done that many times. You misinterpret it. Me too. You misinterpret it. Oh, my goodness. The flesh is going to take that thing and (laughs) you'll think that everybody's against you. You'll think that, you know, just, Everything has gone wrong, but even when someone speaks truth to us, we have to take it mm-hmm. to God in prayer, and God will shed more light on what he's saying because God loves it when we seek him. He loves it when we Amen. come to him and ask questions, you know, and yes. he's right there and ready um, to, to answer and to lead and guide us in the way of truth. And I would take right. back on that, um, Sister Emma, and I'll take mm-hmm. back on what Lynn says. In, for a new believer, I would say that so many times when you're coming out, when you're newly saved, when you're coming out of the mm-hmm. ways of the world, you really are hand-to-mouth exchanging worldly values for godly truth. And you don't always mm-hmm. know where to put your feet um, in, in terms of that. But I would say to a new believer, count God, remember to count God, 
you might not know what you're doing. You may not know how it's going to work, and you're certainly not going to see it um, in the same way you can cause an effect or, you know, calculate results in a worldly way. But count that God can do it. Count that all things mm-hmm. are possible with, um, with Christ because that's really, you may be afraid to tell somebody, you know, I see that this is a, you know, do you have an issue here? But mm-hmm. count that God might, count, count that God that, that count that God is there and he's going to speak to their heart. And it might not happen right away, but that right. it will happen. And that your job is just to plant the seed and he'll grow it. But that if you've done your part, then you're okay. And I know that I, I can say that from experience. I used to have a, a fear of, um, confrontation in, 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 in a way because I didn't know how to go from, you know, being stern and forward and, you know, self-righteous mm-hmm. in, a, in a manner right. to being loving and saying, hey, you know, as a mother of a teenager, I can tell you that there are times when God, where I'll say I'm not happy with this or I don't agree with this, but I don't rant and rave. I'm not screaming. But whatever, whatever it is that God is changing in me, is a it's showing up in my daughter. She hears differently. We have a different kind of relationship. Our relationship is deeper, and she trusts because if I run her away, being hard, then when she runs out into the world that's dangerous, away from the safety of the love, our loving home, I can't expect a better result. But when I count God. Right. I count that I'll say what needs to be said in the manner that he needs me to say it and that something good is going to happen. And it's my belief that it will, and that's the result that I'm getting. Amen. And, you know, the thing, I love the way you put it, count God. Count, make sure that you are adding the metric of God in, when you're looking at your life because we we don't tend to do that. I remember a dear sister in Christ, a few years ago, I had a job that had me traveling a lot, and I had just decided to stop traveling constantly. And I was back home, and literally in the first week or so, I was back into my grind, right? And Kendra, as you were talking about your work being your value, that's definitely something that I can, um, you know, relate to. And so she was seeing how I was going sort of from zero to 100, right? And and she knew a lot of the journey of why I decided to stop traveling and, and why I decided to come back and, and really focus on what I felt God was placing on my heart. And so we were in the kitchen, and she came to me, and she had this word for me, but she was so afraid to say it that she she turned around away from me. She covered her eyes, and she said, the Lord wants you to know that if you keep going the way you're going, he will stop you. He will He will stop you in your tracks because that is not his will for you. And her voice was trembling. She was looking away from me. She was, I was just like, what is going on, you know? And um, mm-hmm. But I can see how it was an intimidating situation. I kid you not, three weeks later, I had chronic pain paralyzed for about two and a half months, everything from short-term disability at work. It was a mess. It was a mess. And I will never forget that moment because in that moment, her obedience at all costs 
was exactly what got me to realize when God did still me that he was pursuing me to do what he called me to do, that he was pursuing me to be his and that it wasn't good enough anymore to do this 80% God, 20% world thing, especially when it comes to work, that it had to Mm -hmm. be a decision to be his no matter where he's placed me. Mm-hmm. So I can really, yeah. I love what you just said, Cal. I, I you know, we, we're just on a roll here. So I want to get a couple of, of last comments because we're getting to, unfortunately, the bottom of our hour. And this is such a rich hour. You guys have so much insight. So could each of you talk to us about what, you know, any closing remarks, essentially? I'll go first. Um One thing I wanted to actually leave with the listeners tonight um, was that we talked a little bit about how truth many times is painful and it hurts. And I just want to encourage those who have been hurt or wounded by someone who was speaking the truth, let God redeem that experience. He can either send someone to help you through it, he can bring you through it, just you and him, but ultimately he will use that experience to strengthen you and he will use it so that you can be a help to others that are going through similar situations that feel as though they may be the only one who has experienced this But you can be that helper. God can use you to walk alongside that person and to Mm -hmm. encourage him. One of the things, and I know we quote this so many times, we say all things work together for good to them that are called, that love God and are called according to his purpose. When we know Mm -hmm. that we love God and we're, we're going through whatever it is, it could be hurt, it could be pain, it could be just confusion, anything that just doesn't seem right to you, stand on that scripture and be in love with God. God Amen. Jesus promise. He will He knows how to work out and I as I tell people all the time, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows how to turn <laughs> around Amen. and and I couldn't say that unless I had been through some bad and ugly experiences. And I know mm-hmm. not only did God bring me through them, but he made me stronger through them. He used them to mm-hmm. make me the woman and the saint of God that I am today. So that's my encouragement to all. Wow, that's really powerful. And, you know, Sister Linda, Romans 8 chapter, entire chapter talks about also how the spirit helps us to by praying prayers with groans and moans when we do not know what to pray for. And so that that verse that you talk about, all things work together for those who love the Lord, is a verse in which we are also promised that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that his Holy Spirit will be interceding. He'll be interceding on our behalf no matter what it is that we go through. So thank you for bringing that up. That is absolutely critical to this mission of being a kingdom worker for Christ. Um, Sister Kendra? 
Yes. Um, I would say, I'm going to piggyback on that, and I would say Paul says in Ephesians that the belt of truth is, is, is what you need to have um, as you go forward. But I would say that for a new believer and a, and a, and a Christian believer, a mature believer, I would say that truth is just you need to truly look at yourself. You have to bow who you are. You have to seek God and who you are in Christ to be able to go forth and do anything. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really in your um, pursuit of God and your pursuit of a godly life that you are going to find the strength and the um, bravery um, to be able to be honest. And it's ugly. When you look at it, there are lots of times when um, it, 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 it's unbelievable what it, what it is you're facing. And, it's, and that can, and that can um, change your desire to be truthful, that you can do all things in Christ. So if you're going to take this seriously, you're going to have to want it more than you've ever wanted anything. And you're going to have to be honest mm-hmm. about what keeps you from wanting things. So you do really, really grow in relationship and grow in faith. But the everyday step is being honest about who you are at that particular moment in time. And sometimes I would say uh, Christians or other people make it sound easy. The words come easy. You can read it, but it's not until you begin to read it that you have an opportunity to digest it. And once it's digested, then you can walk in it. And you need to be honest Mm -hmm. about what that walk looks like. You need to be honest about how you're feeling and what's really happening. And you need to leverage the other members of the body of Christ around you and people who you trust that will speak to you in truth and love and say, this is who I am. This is really me. Be honest about the good things, but especially be honest about the bad things because it's at the moment that you're the most truthful about exactly who you are in Christ as you stand in the moment Mm -hmm. that you have the opportunity to grow. If you are not honest about what's really happening with you, you are not going to change. And God is interested in maturing you and bringing you to a place where you move forward. And that might mean being a better parent, being a better woman, being a better man. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to be that better thing as long as it's an idea that you're not truthful about in the moment. Amen. Amen. And, you know, that's so – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think it was a little bit of feedback. I didn't see anything. (laughs) No problem. Um, So I I was just saying that is really powerful, being honest, because there's so many people who get turned away from hypocrites. That's the number one thing, by the way. When I was um, doing street evangelism, the number one excuse for not being – anywhere close to Christianity, was that Christians are all hypocrites. That was one mm-hmm. of the number one things I heard. And it just, I, I mean, time and time again. Mm-hmm. We hear yes. that all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Easy. That's yeah, right. I and hear so, that because it's, I'm sorry, Emma. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say I hear that a lot because I think sometimes you forget where you come from. I think it's easy to say, um, I think I hear a lot of that Christians are all about what you don't do, you know, the list of 
right. don't do. Is you don't you don't smoke or you don't drink or you don't you know party or whatever that don't do. You hear the don't do list, but the truth yes. of it is, is if you don't start from if you don't start from understanding God's love for you and being honest about what that really looks like for you, are you feeling unworthy? Are you feeling dirty? Are you feeling like you can't be clean? Are you feeling that you don't have value? It's not until you're truthful about that and understand that exactly where you are, right as you are, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about Mm -hmm. that. You're not going to be able to go and do the things that God is saying, I don't want you to do it. He's saying it as a parent who doesn't want something to hurt you and not as something to be kept from you. You know that God won't keep any good things from you. But you won't mature or walk in that if you don't really understand how loved you are, if you're impeded by the bad things you're thinking. But Christians, you know, say, I don't do this or I don't do that. But they don't talk about how they got to not doing it. And it seems like, that's it. you know, it's so easy, you know, it's, it's so easy to give it up. But when you really feel love, when you really understand love, there's a gratitude that pours out of you that makes it easy to walk away from those things that you shouldn't do because they their value diminishes when you are really faced to love. I'm sorry. Amen. Thank you so much. No, no, thank you so much for bringing that up because that gets to that heart of the Father, you know, understanding why is it that we're we're telling people to do something or not to do something. It's It's where does God's heart stand for that person. And if we're saying to somebody, don't do something, then are we willing to stand by them? to walk alongside them in that spirit of compassion that you brought up, Lynn, and that spirit of, of care and of, of truth that both of you have brought up, are we willing to stand in that and say, okay, this journey is going to be difficult as you're trying to not do this thing. Let me walk alongside you and show you how God helps you to do that. And so to recap, because we had some incredible insight this hour, we were talking about through both of you and thank you so much. I can't words can't express how grateful I am that you've chosen to be on the show with us. Um a couple of things we've covered is one when it comes to speaking in spirit and in truth, it needs to be just that. Kingdom work for Christ is not about putting a to-do list and going and doing a bunch of works for Christ so that we can feel important. It never works. <laughs> we cannot buy our salvation. God loves us and he wants our hearts. of our hearts, period, not our works. And so when we're focusing on that, when we're listening to his voice and the intimacy of our prayer with him, of our reading the word, then he guides us to take action in different settings in our lives. And so through that, what does it mean to speak in spirit and in truth? We talked about that. We talked about also, okay, How do we receive truth? Sister Lynn brought up that great point. And then Kendra just brought up the the great point of being honest with people and saying, you know, I don't have all the answers, or here is how I'm struggling, and authenticity, so that when we speak in spirit and in truth, people first and foremost see the gospel of Christ, not us, the gospel of Christ, and then as a byproduct of that, see that we're walking alongside that. Last week we covered how God in the garden, even in shedding truth into the light uh, truth and light into the situation of the garden where they had sinned, he still had compassion for them. He still let them 
explore their sin. He asked questions. He didn't go straight to condemnation. He asked, why is it that you did that? So we can learn some things about how God himself approaches speaking in spirit and in truth. And, and obviously it's himself speaking, but we can follow that example. We ought to follow Jesus. The second thing we talked about was Philip and how Philip went out, spread the good news of the gospel, as a result of that, a sorcerer who was just trying to essentially get a lot of accolades for himself ended up not only getting baptized, not only turning his life, but then following Philip too. And in the middle of following Philip, he then had the opportunity to meet Peter, and Peter convicted him again. You know what? Your intentions and your motives are messed up. I know you think you're following Christ, but this is not it, you know, and the way in which Peter must have said it had to have been in spirit and in truth because the man's response then was, will you pray for me that everything that you said will not happen? When we are convicting people in spirit and in truth, that ought to be the response. The response ought to not be, oh, my gosh, this is so offensive, I'm just going to walk away from you. Absolutely, that can happen, but that doesn't always have to be the response. The gospel, I talked about that briefly, is not offensive. Offensive is such a cheap way of explaining the gospel. The gospel is convicting. Convicting can include offense. It doesn't have to include offense. Conviction can simply come out of whoever is is without sin cast the first stone. And that's it. That's all Jesus said in that in that um, story of the adulterous woman who was about to get stoned. So it's about the Holy Spirit and making sure that we're following the Holy Spirit. We have been extremely blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies. I cannot thank you enough for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you. Uh, praise God. It was a joy. Amen. And I'm sure a lot of people also would will, uh, experience the blessing of this hour. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for um, how calculated you are, how intentional you are, God. And so, Lord, I thank you because all this is in your holy name. And so, God, we are praying that we will be vessels just in love with you, who just want to hang out with you, who just want to get to know you better. And as a byproduct of that, if you want to use us in situations, God, that involve speaking in spirit and in truth, we pray that we will submit to you in those times and be intentional about you leading the way. Thank you, God. And I, I pass the mic along at this time to my sisters to pray us out. I give you the glory, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for everything that we have heard tonight. We thank you for the listeners, God. We thank you for our sister Emma. God, we just ask you to continue to cause your word, Father, to go far, to go near, and to bless those who are hearing it, O God. Let there be a transformation. Mm -hmm. Let there be a newness, O God, from what they have heard tonight, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Father God, God, we just come before you recognizing who you are. Father, I'm going to ask you to convict the hearts of those listening. I'm going to ask you, Father, to step into the dominion of the lives of everyone present and just know our needs. See us and remember us, Father. Let us pursue you in the way that you have for us to pursue you. Let us be what you intended for us to be. Let us remember that real freedom, real love, real desire resides in you, Father. 
because it is those things that we most want. It is those things that we most need. So I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would keep us and keep us pursuing you. Thank you, God. Father, in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much, guys. I can't thank you enough, and thank you to you listening that you have um, stood by us through uh, the the past couple of shows. If you have been listening throughout the inception of um, from the inception of the show, and also throughout the hour, you're in for a treat. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing on worship music, praise and worship music. How do we do kingdom work for Christ through praise and worship music? And is there such a thing? as not honoring God through praise and worship music. You're definitely going to want to tune in. So thank you again. We wish you a blessed night. And that's it for our show. See you next Wednesday. Have a good one.